Are you guys hearing me now? Oh, there we yeah, go. I can hear you. All fine. right, what's up, everybody? We're back, man. We are here in Tribeca in the new studios. In the new studios of Police Off the Cuff. Right here on... Uh, I, I'm not going to give out the address, right? Are we doing that yet? Nah, no. inside Blue 360. The fans, yeah, the fans are going to come down here and they're going to line up we'll the be, front. We'll be mobbed. It'll yeah. be like Broadway when, <laughs> when we get out and we're going to have to sign autographs and stuff. <laughs> but we're back here, man. We're downtown. We have an exciting guest. Um, what can I say about this guy? He's a former deputy chief on the NYPD. And then he went on to uh, be the commissioner, the police commissioner, first police commissioner that we've had here. That's so right. We are, well, wow. That's right. Listen, we've had... Well, we had a uh, chief of department so far. We had the chief of the medical examiner's office. We've had lieutenants, sergeants, um, obviously detectives, but we haven't had a police commissioner. This is the first one. The first. Now, mind you, it's it's Yonkers yeah, police it's commissioner. Yonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm underwhelming. I know. <laughs> What's up, Edmund Harnett? What's up, buddy? What's up, Mark? Thank this you. is great having you here, man. Thank Shake you very my head. much. Thank you, you like um, Thank Bill. senior chief? Thank Do you, you mind if I call you Ed? Ed's good, please. All right, uh, well, Chief Ed. Ed. Ed no, no. I want to. I'm going to call him the commish. All right. Let me ask you a question. You hear a lot. That's Irish. Yeah, very Edmund? Irish. Yeah. Yeah, Edmund. Edmund and Hartnett. Heard, very know, Irish. No, but you hear a lot of. There's a lot of Eds, obviously millions of Eds, but billions probably now. But uh, Ed Edmund. Edmund. Yeah, it was a tough name to grow up with, but uh, I kind of grew into it, and now it's kind of cool. But back then, it was you know a hard name to live with sometimes. But I got through it. I get. I like it, Edmund. Well, who calls you Edmund? Anybody? Still? My my sainted mother, rest her soul, would oh, call good. me Edmund, especially when she was ticked off. Uh, <laughs> it's family calls me Edmund usually, and some some guys just to break my chops call me Edmund. Where are you from? Born in Brooklyn, uh, but raised in Washington Heights, Manhattan. Oh yeah, yeah, we, a very Washington tony Heights. community of Washington Heights. That's great. Where did you grow up? What street in Washington Heights? Uh, mostly 171st, 172nd, 180th Street. Went to Incarnation Catholic Oh, you School. went to Incarnation? So yeah, my great Dwayne. Were you an altar boy? I used to do the high mass, hold the candles. I wasn't ready for being an altar boy, so I'd hold the candle, and the candle would fall off, and then the priest would yell at me. That's probably a good thing, though, that you were Yeah, I didn't advance too far on the altar boy. What year was this that, uh, that you were in Washington Heights, those years? Moved there in 1960 uh, and stayed in the neighborhood until the early 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, my, my grandmother lived on, I had two, uh, my great-grandmother lived on 174th and, uh, what is it, St. Nick, right? Right mm -hmm. down the block from Incarnation. Yeah. So my cousin Dwayne used to go to that school. That's a pretty great neighborhood. My friends might have mugged her, so. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, they might have, you never know. <laughs> and it's obviously, it's very Dominican now, but back then it was it was diversified. It was very, It's you know what, it's a great place to grow up. Uh, we After after Cuba fell, we got a lot of Cubans that moved in. And a, a lot, lot of Cubans. professional people, and then they wound up taking fairly menial jobs, and then. You know, Puerto Rican folks came, Dominicans came, and, and you know what? It was a great place to grow and up. And then after the Dominicans came, then more Dominicans came, and then and then then more Dominicans came. Yeah, and then f they, <laughs> you just keep coming. <laughs> just, nobody else comes there. But it's, it, it was a great place to grow up. And then I meet some old cop, you know, years later when I'm on the job, and he asked me where I grew up. So I said Washington Heights, and he says, "Man, that's a shit neighborhood." <laughs> so. You know, I didn't realize it was a bad neighborhood until I moved. Uh, this guy had to, like, you know, bring me down and say it was a bad neighborhood. Did you, but, did uh, you pick up any Spanish in Washington Heights? A bit, a bit. Yeah, okay, I can order off the menu, and, you know, pretty much. And, and it came help, you know, handy in police work. Pregunta Maduro. Platano Maduro. Si, y arroz con pollo, y chilitas fritas. Mondongo. Como no. Mofongo. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. That's great. All I know is mommy. Yes, yes. That goes a long way, yeah. Now, Washington Heights, did you go to High Bridge Pool? I did. I did. Yeah, I was there I for a few riots, of, actually. Oh. Yeah, there was a couple of riots there when I was there. Was oh, while you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I remember swimming in High Bridge Pool with my sneakers in my hand. Because <laughs> I had uh, I had the uh, pair of Pumas, the suede ones. They just came out. You never you brought... No, you couldn't leave them on the deck. You there. never brought good sneakers to High Bridge no, Pool. No, so you, you were swimming <laughs> with your sneakers <laughs> just in the water. That's a New York City yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Well, why is yeah. the guy holding sneakers <laughs> above his head? You can swim, Everybody. You can swim good with one arm. It's good, yeah. Uh, back in the day, I remember we used to have these... There's like a, a key holder on your neck, and then we had these hats... A mesh hat, and we'd fold them this way, and then you had your Adidas with the fat laces and the shell top Adidas. Remember that? With the f and then you put the fat laces that matched the stripes on it. Oh, it was a whole thing, man. Growing up in that neighborhood was uh, it was great. I grew up there, and in the story, it was split because my parents divorced. But Washington Heights was a great neighborhood, man. And he was there was a lot of Greeks there. Yeah. 
Those, um, did you go to the movie theater? Church? I went to I went to the not the porno theater on Wadsworth Avenue. You didn't go there, but there was a lot of movie theaters. RKO uh-huh. RKO on Eighty uh-huh. First Street. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. The Lowy's Paradise. My uncle used to work at that deli right there. Oh, he did. Right. That deli. Uh, Dykeman Deli. No, that's no. north. That's no, that was on 180th and Broadway. Oh, okay. Between 180th and 181st. And the, the reason why that, I liked that, because when he worked there, he was a teenager, and he used to give food to the ushers, sandwiches and stuff like that, when the ushers used to come in on their break. So they used to let us into the movie for free. Oh, so nice. I can go see any movie in that movie theater whenever I wanted, because everybody knew my Uncle Dante. And there was a beautiful theater at 175th and Broadway, which when I was a kid, it was a Lowy's. And great theater, beautiful inside. And uh, Reverend Ike, the yeah, uh, I remember the, the Reverend TV Ike. evangelist, right. took it over. He still, his people still own it. You know? st- if you go, but the marquee, th- does it still say yeah, Reverend Ike when you go by there? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. I think so. It takes up the whole block from one seven five, one seven six from. He Broadway had a TV to show, right, Reverend Ike? He had a TV. Show. He's one of the first, I think, TV evangelists. Oh wow! But it, you know, there's no more movies there, so we were ticked off. He took over that whole theater from you, huh? Yeah, yeah. When I see this, the movie from uh, the movie Malcolm X. When is there, uh, remember the attempted assassination when the guy said, get your hand out of my pocket. And the guy goes, what? And then the whole place ducks down. Did you ever see that Malcolm X, the movie? No, but I know he was he was killed in the neighborhood, years, you know, in okay. the Audubon Ballroom, uh, not okay. far from where I live. Because I always too, thought it? that it was that it happened in the Reverend Ike um, Theater. It happened down about, uh, if you're familiar with the neighborhood, it's right across from Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. They, they actually call the X pl- Plaza in, in his uh-huh. memory, but he was killed right there in the Audubon Ballroom. Okay, so. Probably 1965, and I remember that when it happened. They actually carried him right across the street into, into Columbia Press, but he was already wow. dead at that point. Yeah, that's horrible. Okay, so uh, what year did you get on the job? I came on the job in November mm. of 1979. Actually, uh, shout out to my classmates. Wow. We just oh, had our, uh, our 40th anniversary. You look great. You look like, I had work done. He looks young, man. You had to work yeah. done. I had my crow's nah, feet done. Nah, and, nah, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, you uh, I look good on the outside anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. <laughs> but uh, we were the first class, actually, uh, after the layoffs. So uh, about 440 of us, which is a small and class. And the layoffs, you're talking about when in the, in the 70s, they laid off a... Almost half half the department. Yeah, right? they didn't they didn't hire a cop in five years, wow. and then they finally the economy kind of turned around a little bit, and they hired us. And uh, I and think that, by the that, time that flies in the face of the Irish culture, saying take a civil service job, yeah, be secure, you'll never get laid off. Right? Was, and these guys got it laid happens. off, and some of them came back, as you know, and some of them didn't. And we were the first class, and uh, they were just getting rid of these cars, these green uh-huh. and white cars, and they were getting these cars. But uh, we wanted the average, you to feel at home. We yeah, thank write, you. We were thank you. Write Yonkers like I said, I was born place. in the back of one of these. But uh, <laughs> uh, but the the average cop in a radio car in 1979, I think, was 38 years old. Wow. So the job had gotten old, oh, wow. and uh, and we were only a handful coming out. When you think about the grand scheme of things, spreading us out across the city, 440 cops, 40 were housing, 400 were NYPD. So we were kind of thrown into a precinct and. You know, it was a whole different culture in the precinct at the time where they looked upon us. It was, it was post-Serpico and mm-hmm. everything with the NAP commission and corruption. So when we came on the job, all the old-timers pretty much thought that we were rats who were wired, who were there to collect, you know, to, to, uh, to cap- capture them doing bad things. And mm-hmm. nothing could be further from the truth. We just want to learn how but to do they the job. But they wouldn't talk to you, though. Very seldom would they talk to you. And uh, they all thought that we, w- we thought we were big shots. They all kind of made fun of us if we had college degrees or anything like that. And uh, I remember old timers in a locker room were asking me if I had college. They said, you got college? And I said, yeah, but they made it sound like it was a disease. You "You have college? I said, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to get some ointment, get rid of it. But but they wanted to make a point. He's a pretty funny guy. Well, I'm with two stand-up comedians. i got to try to compete a little bit. But these guys made it sound like it was a detriment to be a college-educated person in the job. But they also wanted to send the message that yeah, you're a college guy, but you're in the same locker room with us now, aren't you? So we're all standing right, right. there in our underwear debating this point, you know, you know we, in the we locker talked, rooms. We talked about that before. It's like when you came on, cops were in bad shape back then. Mm-hmm. They smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. They drank coffee like it was lifeblood. And they, most of them drank a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they would tell they were all financial advisors. Take a pension loan every six months. It's the best thing, right? Well, I had guys that said, why don't you become a minister? <laughs> yeah. Remember those guys? They became That's right. They became pony ministers. They had no federal tax taken. They all got almost collared, some of them. They all had to pay the money back. But yeah. there was guys that were like, I'm a bishop in my church. Yeah. What are those guys <laughs> called again? The... Uh, the ones the uh, they wanted they don't want to have a driver's license or oh like sovereign nation oh sovereign, sovereign nation yeah. yeah 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 those guys those guys are great yeah these guys had no ideology behind them they just wanted them not to pay taxes right, I mean, right, there was exactly no, there was no cause they were involved there was in. somebody trying to come up with a scheme of how to avoid paying taxes believe me there's b- b- smarter people than you have figured out how to make everybody except for 
the people that like Amazon and Al Sharpton and <laughs> possibly the president that <laughs> don't pay taxes. Don't pay. Taxes. They figured it out. Yeah, yeah. The we smart people figured did, it out. We didn't figure the it dopes out. Dopes over here. <laughs> we'll pay forever. You know. So um, you came on in 1979, man. That must have been some time. Uh, you know, the South Bronx back then was lit. Re- literally, the whole place was on fire. Um, I'm sure we, were you still living? You obviously were still living in Washington Heights. Still living in Washington Heights, and, uh, and then went to the NSU uh, Neighborhood Stabilization Unit Nine. As you know, it's a, it's a kind of a training setup where you go in, you cover four precincts. Right. Uh, Chief, we basically don't, were don't tap the table. Oh, oops, sorry. I gave you an order. I'm a sorry. No, thank you, you know? thank you, so much. <laughs> no, because it comes over the mic. Thanks, Thanks. for sharing that. <laughs> uh, and, but uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they just threw us at the radio cars, and uh, you were supposed to have so many foot posts. There was there was so not enough cops no, out there. There was no uh, like uh, there was no field training. They put you right I mean, out there was. Work. They put you. With a, we had a great you know FTO field training officer. You know old detective really showed you the job. Like the, the but they didn't hold your hand in the beginning. Really, no. they, he, had, he had to get to work. Right no, away, these guys always. were good. These guys were good. We had a great guy. I still bump into him every now and then. My old FTO Bill Clark. Bill, if you're out there. Good man. That's not the NYPD blue, Bill Clark. No, 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 no. no. This guy. I always think about uh, Serpico. <laughs> when, when you talk about that time in the police department, I always go back to the movie Serpico and how just it's such a perfect movie to capture that time and how the police departments were back then and the way he gets in and he's got his uniform over his... Uh, um, over his shoulder, and he, he wants a locker, and the desk sergeant barely looks up at him. He's like, yeah, yeah, go, go upstairs. Like, <laughs> That's it's great. Just, yeah. It was nobody was happy to see you. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no welcoming party. No, right, right. Hey, hey, thanks hey, for coming. Hey, kid, like, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> this is IBM. Come on up. We got your desk ready. Yeah. And as a, as a young cop, the, the old lieutenant would be on the desk. He'd be looking down his nose at his glasses, and he'd be writing forever. And I'm thinking, I'm new in the job. I'm like, what is he writing? What's right, all this right. writing going on? Exactly. But part of it was just an act. He didn't want to pay any attention to me. And he was hoping that when he looked up, I'd be gone away. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd still be there 20 minutes later. And I'd be like, what do you want? And they go back to writing again. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. they were like really autocrats. You know, They were like the, the captain of a ship. They ran the place. And you didn't dare go behind the desk, for God's oh, sake. No, you had, it, for, right? you had to ask for permission. You went behind the desk. You had so to permission to come that's, behind the desk. That's so violated now. Everyone oh, comes yeah. behind the desk I remember now. asking Sarge permission to come behind the desk because yeah. you wanted to go grab a 28 or something, right, right. which is, uh, you know, permission to take a day off, right. which you handed to the same desk sergeant right. with the $5 bill attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sergeant, here you go. <laughs> I really need that day off. Oh, it was a different, it's my son's christening. It's a different job. <laughs> but you know, that, yes. but the older cops were definitely very protective of the younger cops. They, I mean, on the street, they would back yeah, once yes, you got, street, Yeah, once yes. you got on the street. That was a different story, yeah. But listen, that, that, that little attitude never changed. I mean, for the, ser- for the first six months that you're in a command, nobody really talks to you. Right, You're just in everybody's way. Yep. You know, they're watching you. And the the person, the people that came up to you and talked to you the most in the beginning were usually the ones that were ostracized by the command that's already. Right, that's right. They were cops that worked there that nobody trusted, nobody liked. And now there's new people there. So now they have a chance to make friends again or have somebody to talk to. So they try to get the new guys on their side. And that's you could true. see, like, if you, were, if you were a fill-in guy back then and there was one guy available to work with, that's the guy you're talking yeah, about. That nobody yeah, wanted yeah. to work with. He's probably a kook. Uh-huh. Or he's a nut, or he's a drunk, whatever it was. Now you're stuck with that guy for eight hours. Yeah, yeah, and then I learned pretty quick, I'm going to go put somebody in handcuffs to get away from this guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. so that's my that's new right. partner. Unless I could, f- <laughs> I'll take that foot poster today, Sarge. I'll be back in half an hour with something because I'm not staying there late hours with this nut. <laughs> there was a lot of nuts back then too. So, um, so you get into your command, which was uh, the, the 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 one that you said was the NSU nine, right? Yep, covered the four six, the four seven, the five zero, oh, and the five two. We were mostly in the four six and the five two. Did you come out like a bat out of hell making a lot of college? Yeah, you? yeah. We we like to make arrests. My my partner and I was still my buddy Timmy Muldoon, great guy. Came from a police family. I did not, so we kind of. Did you have a lot of brothers and sisters growing up? I was the youngest of. Uh, I had two sibli- uh, two brothers and a sister. And one of my brothers just passed so away. So no, no. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. My condolences. Sorry to hear. Did you guys sing Irish folk songs in the radio car together? No, no. no. I'm no. Irish, but not that Irish. I mean, <laughs> no, no. So you guys got a car right away? No, you know what? They, there was no cops out there. So you'd show up at the 4-6, and they'd just throw you in the car together. Okay, so we good. were blind leading the blind, but it worked out okay. So you got it. And the, I'm sure the cars were in great shape, right? Yeah, they're in great shape. They're plush. Well, uh, <laughs> AC, AC was cranking all the time. I was wondering, what are we, what are we using these milk cratons? Yeah, cartons, milk cartons, cartons, yeah, yeah. Prop up the front seat, yeah. <laughs> I remember this guy that I worked with. We got a brand new car, right? So he took his pen. It's a brand new car. <laughs> he takes his pen, and he jabs it right into the dashboard. Bang! 
bang, right there. Okay, we got a pen holder. <laughs> bang, right there. And from that point on, every time you took out his pen, you do your report, you put the pen right back oh, in your good. pen holder. <laughs> and my partner, my partner Tim Muldoon, you know, my good buddy to this day, he learned real quick. By the, by the second week in the street, he had nothing on his gun belt. Everything was removed except his holster and, and that, oh, yeah, maybe that yeah. little loop where the uh-huh. nightstick went in. Uh-huh. He took everything off and he said, a successful day is when we don't put pen to paper. <laughs> so he was handling disputes over the intercom. Don't make me come up there. Don't make me come up there. He was the best. You guys had some of those Bronx tricks. That we didn't yeah, you couldn't do that nowadays. Oh, no, he was the Good best. Good days when we don't put pen to paper. Oh, my he, God. I think Tim invented the term, the job sucks. And he didn't really mean it. Yeah. You say it all the time. Like, do we have a training uh-huh. sergeant coming out and he wants to sign our books? I guess the sergeant was told, uh-huh. you got to go out and identify with these guys and deal with them and interact with them. So the sergeant pulls up on a foot post and he was kind of a stiff he pulls up and he's got a clipboard and he goes hello Edmund <laughs> <laughs> and how are you today he was very scripted very scripted so I said oh, I'm good I just, I just want to get him out of here yeah good sergeant everything's fine thank you very much thank you very much you know scratch and uh, you know, signs my book and 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 my buddy Tim Muldoon his formal first name is Austin nobody calls him Austin we all call him Tim for some reason his family calls him Tim so again the sergeant goes so Austin, what do you think of the police department? So Muldoon's a funny guy. To this day, he's a very funny guy. And I know what he's going to say, but I'm going like kind of telepathically, like, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> and sure enough, he salutes and he goes, the job sucks, Sarge. <laughs> so the sergeant goes, really? So he's writing all kinds of notes down about Muldoon, like, you know, renegade, uh, irrational, whatever he's writing down. So I'm trying to defend it. I said, oh, he's only kidding, Sergeant. Oh, is that right? Now he's writing on my folder, like like bad things about me now because I'm defending Muldoon. But uh, Muldoon is quite the character. And the sergeants back then, like I said, they were not bad guys, but this guy was, again, I guess he was forced to interact with us and he wasn't a very warm and fuzzy guy to begin with. So, How did you guys handle uh, domestic violence cases back then? You know, it's, it's, I look back on it now and uh, the, the job at the time, we were basically bouncers. Yeah. You know, we would go to apartments and uh, we would tell some guy, Take a get walk. out. Uh, if you resisted a little bit, you know, and there was cops there, then he wanted to he wanted to fight a little bit. He got he didn't always get arrested, but he wanted to fight. <laughs> he got lumped he, up. He got he got accommodated, and yeah. uh, but then we were like taking his keys out of his pocket. I mean, basically, it was almost like a robbery when you think about it. <laughs> we're there pulling keys out of this guy's pocket, so taking him out of his back, own house, so we don't come back home. And he comes back, you know, the next day, and so it was accomplishing nothing when you think about it. Right. But that's the way the job was now. Now it's swung completely the other way, I think. So. Uh, but back then, you know, it wasn't a really successful domestic violence program no, for the police department. Yeah, no, not at all. And then when you make boss and you go to a scene, it's like you're afraid to walk away from the scene, right? Because yeah. if someone gets killed, oh. Yeah, but wait, um, wait, wait. wait. Right? I, I, what, when did you... So you stayed in NSU, and then where did you go to work? When did you become a... You became a sergeant first, sergeant first obviously, but where did you go to work after that? It's funny. I got... I was living in Manhattan at the time, again, Washington Heights, and uh, all the orders come down. We're all getting transferred to our precincts, our, our so-called permanent mm-hmm. commands. And all my buddies are all going to precincts. And there's, I'm not even in the orders. So I look, me and other nine, uh, nine other, you know, sorry souls, we got sent to the Manhattan traffic area, Manhattan oh, traffic man. division. Oh, wow. Working out of 30th Street. Horrible. I mean, listen, they're nice guys. Some of them are nice guys, but... So not what you, you want to send a young go. cop. No. That's not what you wanted to do. So we get sent there, and they greet us by saying, welcome to your last command. <laughs> so it's kind of disheartening. Because no, le- no one leaves there, right? Nobody want, and, and there's guys that wanted to go there, but they picked us because we lived in Manhattan. They don't do us a favor. And they're saying, kid, relax. You got a detail. I go, I didn't want this detail. Yeah, I don't want any detail. I want to go to a precinct. Yeah, you wanted so, to answer radio calls and learn yeah, the job from the ground But I learned up. a valuable lesson there. They, they said, you're not leaving. Make sergeant, you'll leave. But you're not leaving. And oh, uh, even that's if you get somebody to cut, take your place, they go, we don't want him, we want you. What yeah. do you want me for? Uh, you had to direct traffic, and you had, had to write parking tickets. And these guys down there were like parking ticket machines. I wow. mean, some of them were writing 75, 80 tickets a day wow. in, in various precincts. So we said, I learned a valuable lesson. Me and my partner at the time, Barry Ladd, good guy, still my buddy to this day. We basically said, because we're young cops, not too bright, we said, we're not doing anything. We're not going to do it. We're not gonna, if, they, if we don't write tickets, they have to get rid of us. Mm-hmm. Well, they kept us the longest. <laughs> so uh, they said, nah, you're gonna. So at the end, we wrote some tickets, and I was putting a 50, uh, you know, request for transfer in every month. And anywhere, Harlem, Bronx, Brooklyn, anywhere. To go to, to a precinct. Go to a precinct. The shittiest precinct. I wasn't asking for anything. So finally, I'm the, I'm the ninth guy of ten that they're finally releasing. My buddy Barry was louder about it than me. They kept him longer than me. Valuable lesson for both of us. So I finally get my orders 
You're going to the 32nd precinct. These guys in traffic, they were so detached from the police department, they said, where's that? Oh, my God. I said, it's uptown. Uptown? What do you want to go there for? It, it's crazy up there. It, 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 people shooting at people up there. So then they were like, you'll be back. You'll be sorry. You, you're making a bad move. You'll be back. Well, when you go to a detail right up front like that, and you're not really doing police work, you're not answering the radio, you're not making callers, um, a lot of these guys, you get too, you stay there too long. You're scared to move on uh, anywhere else because you don't know what to do. You're gonna go to a place, and you got five, six years on the job, and you you have five arrests. Yeah, there's legendary what these guys. And they weren't all bad guys, but they were so detached from police work. And a guy would tell a story, an old timer, a good guy, old timer. He says uh, he's directing traffic on Delancey Street, and he said a guy walks up to him and says, "Excuse me, where's the seventh precinct?" So he goes, "Oh, it's right down there uh, on Pitt Street." He goes, "Thank you." He turns around. He goes, "He's got a screwdriver sticking out of his back." Uh huh. <laughs> so the guy just and we said what did you do he goes he went to one of the precinct was I showed him where the precinct was uh-huh. like that's how detached from police work they uh, were they yeah, were going to yeah. say like get an ambulance or write a 60 we know, had report. a rumor I worked in the task force when I was young on the job too and um, this the rumor was that some guy came up to this cop that we worked with and he goes I just got shot and he goes, where? And the guy lifts up his shirt, and there was a little bit of smoke coming out of this tiny little hole in him because <laughs> it was in the middle of winter. You could see the smoke coming out. Um, and then he goes, uh, did you call 911? <laughs> 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 and he's in a radio car. <laughs> uh, on the, on the, the traffic headquarters on 30th Street, it's old, kind of a, looks like a castle. Like not yeah, yeah, Square Garden. Place, beautiful yeah. building. It's a beautiful building. But the, there was guys there on the late tour, and all they did was they locked the door, and they counted all the parking tickets all day. Oh, yeah. So they said like a... a a duty captain, you know, separate from the traffic command, comes to the door, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and the door's locked. Now he's banging on the window, and a guy in a flannel shirt, like his Venetian blinds, looks out the window. What do you want? <laughs> the captain, in uniform. And he goes, let me in. He goes, no, we're closed. And he's telling an on-duty captain in uniform, we're closed. So they were a little separated from the police department. Yeah, I could see you that, know what that man. reminds me of? When um, I think it was Manhattan North. <laughs> When they used to have that place uh, right on, um, I think it was up a little bit past the 128th Street and Broadway. Uh, what was that Manhattan? One? Uh, was meant homicide there? They, no, they used yeah, to have yeah. to ring a bell. They used to have to ring a bell, and they couldn't catch anybody sleeping. Yeah. So they used to have to wait until somebody was going inside the door, <laughs> then running right behind them, hold it, <laughs> you know. Uh, so you'd be sitting in the car for a half hour. Officer, hold on, and then he'd run in with you. Right. And it was just to catch the people up there who were sleeping. And it's funny. The flip side of that is now later in my career, I become a boss, and you know maybe I'm an inspector, and I'm doing like a patrol duty coverage where you got to cover all the precincts, and you're in uniform, riding around, signing books and stuff. And if I pulled up in front of a precinct, I would I would give the cop that's standing in front of the door time to go inside and tell the sergeant I'm outside. You're on the way. Oh yeah, yeah, so, that makes sense though. And, and everybody did that. There was a phone call that followed. I was remember the 111 precinct. Nice guys. Young kid standing in front of the door. And I would do it all the time. I'd stop at the 111. I'd have my little clipboard. I'd wave to him. He'd wave back at me. He wouldn't go inside. Mm-hmm. I'd stay there for five minutes. I'm writing. Then finally, I got to go in. Right, right. And the poor sergeant or lieutenant would be on the desk. He'd have his back to the wall, feet up, reading the newspaper like this. And uh-huh. he'd go, oh. Well, somebody yell attention. You know, they, and he's going, oh, stupid. sorry. And I'm like, does the guy outside not like you? Uh-huh. Why wouldn't he come in? I'm waiting outside for him to come in and warn you that I'm coming. But common sense, right? Common sense. That common sense is lacking that's, a bit, I That's find. the Queen's Marines. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I know you're saying everyone's a good guy, but they're not all good fucking Well, guys, this guy so. just didn't get it. He just didn't get it that, you know, I'm here. If I want to sneak up on him, I'll sneak up on him. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it wasn't so my nature. Out of, so to get out of there, you, uh, it, what you decided to do was take the sergeant's test? Well, no, I, I, we had to, you know, prostitute ourselves and write some tickets, and we finally got our, our wishes granted, and uh, that's when I went to the 3-2. It was the best move, probably my career. It was a great place, great now, cops. 3-2 is Harlem. It is. Central Harlem from 127th up to, uh, up to the Polo Grounds houses, like 159th Street from St. Nice, Nick to... nice stretch of area there, fifth. right? Yeah, it's plush. Who was the CO back then? Plush, you remember? Uh, it's funny. The CO was uh, not a bad guy. He was uh, Deputy Inspector Tom Coyne. Who had red hair? So of course the cops nicknamed him Agent Orange. Well, I think I think his daughter was on the job, and she was a sergeant in the Queen's Task Force. Is that right? I think so, because she was a redhead, and her last name was Coin too. Yeah, yeah. I he mean, had really bright red hair. Not yeah, a bad so guy. There's probably four hundred nice, coins on the NYPD, though. Yeah. that's like Murphy. Almost. She was a good. She was a nice uh, sergeant. So, uh, what makes you take the sergeant's test then? Since you're now you're happy, you're in the three two, and you're. You're doing what you wanted to do. Yeah, the 3-2 was great. You know, we, we, we worked the old nine-squad charts. So you did a midnight 
a week of midnights every six weeks, and I hooked up with my partner, Brian Murphy, who's still my buddy to this day. Uh, we decided to, like, make arrests, so we went did to he, Did he retire as a lieutenant? He did, yeah. I think he was in the building with us, uh, 3280 Broadway. He was, he was, yep. Did yep. he go to Buff State? That's he went to Buff State. Yeah, I did he too. played lacrosse. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. building I'm talking about. That's yeah, it. 3280, yeah. That's yeah. it. Brian, yeah. good guy. So we yeah. both, after a couple months, you know, when you... When you when you f- approach somebody about being your partner, it's almost like asking somebody to go to the prom. Isn't that so cool? We've never covered that, Bill. What's that? But the thing about when you ask somebody to be your partner, he, that's a great thing. He said it's like asking somebody yeah, to go like, to you know, what do you, what do you want? Go to the prom. You want to work together? I don't know. Yeah, you want checking to, you out. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're looking him up and down. It's kind of like, and he was a, a kid from Levittown. I was this, you know, city kid, so we kind of meshed pretty well. Ed, and, uh, where'd you get that one EPD from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you do? I want to make sure right, you're a right. warrior like me. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And we had a guy. We had a guy between two. He was, that was a bad guy. But anytime he got an EBD, he would stack them like oh, these yeah. little metals. You, you can't get do bars. that, man. And this thing was up by his nose. Right. If you turn this way, but he had like five EBDs, right. and he put like a pistol shot and some other right. things in there. So it was up over his ears. Like if you're, but, but what you're trying to explain, explain right now is the pish, First of all, an EPD you could put all all them together. You're supposed at one to have time. a number on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, you could consolidate them right. so you can get the real medals, and right. then the pistol. Shot is something that you get in the range just for qualifying, uh, and then there's the the, the commensurate, yeah, like, like the two, like the ni- 1976 or something or 1980 yeah, World Games. Yeah, 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 so you get that one. In. Oh, he had he had everyone, and then sadly he goes. There's some crazy job, some big dispute, and there's like eight cops in a place, and there's a big fight, and they lock people up. Now the whole building's ticked off. This guy goes back to the precinct and says one of his EPDs fell off. <laughs> He goes, he goes to his partner, we got to go back and get it. Oh, God. He goes, are you crazy? They're going to kill us in that building. we got to go back. I'll buy you another one. Uh, they're like 50 cents for those. Oh, weapons. God. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you see someone that's really like into the metal thing, yeah. and they see a guy like that, they'll be like, hey, dude, come here. Oh, yeah. Like, they'll get pissed, They'll right? call it a board. Hey, hey, your board is not right. Fix yeah, your board. Yeah, fix fix your board. You got to have a five. You can have five EPDs. What, are you kidding me? But, yeah. mad. I, but we, did, we did wind up partnering together after after a little little courtship, I guess you'd call it. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, so, I love that, that what you said, though. That's great. That uh, figuring out whether you can partner up. Some of it has to do with, do you like sports? What yeah. type of music? Because you're in the car. I worked with a guy one night, and um, it, his partner was out. So was mine. And the Knicks were playing. I remember they were playing the Bulls. It was the playoffs. It was when... You know, basketball when the Knicks were good, <laughs> yeah. So I said, uh, I'm turning on the game, and he goes, no, no, I can't listen to it. I said, why not? You don't like the Knicks? He goes, no, I love the Knicks. I said, you, so what's the problem? He goes, it makes me crazy. I said, well, then I'll listen to it on my side of the car. <laughs> so I switched it, and he goes, no, no, it's all right. So literally, it's tip off. The first, the game just starts. Tip off. Michael J- uh, Jordan gets the all passed to him, flies down the courts. Slam dunks it, and the guy, he goes fuck, and he smashes his head in the side of the, of the radio car, the window. We're sitting inside, the driver's side, bang like this. I'm like, yo, this is gonna be a long game right now. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the first two points, you know, basketball. Oh. It goes back and forth for three hours. The end, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a long game. I had him drop me off. By the end of the game, he must have looked like ET, you know. Ah uh, man, the, 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 the Things. You know what's also funny? I get this vision in my head of when you walk into a new command, the roll call, and nobody knows you yet. And they all kind of sort of like looking at you, sizing you up. You know, the, the, what was the the phone call that followed you there? You know, that led you to there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's always that who the, who this guy is and why is he coming there? Somebody and, did the homework. But the, and, the and worst who, is when they say, you're DeMeo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> really... It's 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 a you know it's all it used to be all men there but it's a very alpha thing you know what I'm saying all the other animals checking you out yeah. like who is this guy and it's a tough it's a tough uh, situation to walk in because everybody's got to you know you have to have, you have to be tough so you're walking into a room of tough people to begin with yeah everybody's got a sense of humor a wise ass thing to say and the three two had had good old timers there you know good mix of guys and I I used to kid around a little bit like I came on November of seventy nine. Uh-huh. So I did like seven weeks in the seventies, technically mm-hmm. in yeah, that yeah, decade. Yeah. So I would be with these, and now these guys have you know one side of the room they've killed nine people in the precinct, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and they came on. They're Vietnam guys. They kill people yeah, there. They yeah, kill yeah. people here. They kill people everywhere. And I'm sitting with them, mm-hmm. and I'm saying I'm lamenting to them, kidding around, going, guys, these young cops, they don't get it. They're not seventies cops like us. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> and these guys would ask me a few questions. Yeah, I came on in the seventies, like you guys. When did you come on? Uh, November seventy nine. 
Go sit with them. <laughs> Get away from us. Yeah, they Their said that room. 1969 class of the NYPD was like, oh my God, they all just came back from Vietnam, right? Yeah. 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 And they were like scary guys. Some of them right? were great cops. They were great cops, but yeah. they were, you know, they, they, uh, they didn't suffer fools well. No, no. Oh, yeah, they didn't suffer. Well, how long did it take you to become sergeant? How many years did you have on before you decided to? I had, I had just about five years on. So That's I looked, good. That was I, quick. I was baby face sergeant. Uh, and back then, when you made sergeant, they sent you to. How old were you? Uh, I was 11. No, no. <laughs> I, was, I was like 20. Hey, Mark, we have, to, we have to take him to the clubs. He's, he's, he's <laughs> no, got good stand up no, material, no, no. man. No, I would freeze, trust me. Uh, but I looked very young, and back then the job would send you to allegedly to go to a precinct for six months where you make all your mistakes, and then you go to your permanent command where right. you make no mistakes. So You're talking course, about as a sergeant? As a sergeant. Mm -hmm. So my, I go to the 4 8 precinct in the Bronx, which was also the borough command. So, you know, all the borough bosses are right upstairs, right. which the 4-8 the was a good place to work, but having the borough upstairs was a pain in the ass, oh. you know, because they come down. You know, Ed, let me everything. just stop you for one second. I worked in the 2-4, and that was the borough. When you're on the desk, you always get this prick upstairs. Why is there a dog tied to my pole on my parking space? And you're oh, like, yeah. are you fucking kidding <laughs> yeah. me, right? In the 4-8, there'd be a dead guy in his parking space. Yeah, oh, right. But they'd still, they'd still call with mindless stuff. You know, yeah. Excuse me, one chief, We actually, I knew his office. There was a chief upstairs, <laughs> rest his soul. But his, he had these, like, louver windows. He had to, like, you know, kind of roll them like this, and they would open like that. I didn't even know how he got his head out the window, but he could look out the window somehow. Maybe he had a mirror or something. And he'd say, like, Sergeant, there are, there are officers downstairs speaking to a female at the gas pumps. Investigate that and get back to me forthwith. And, and old bosses love saying forthwith for everything. Right, right, you know, right. I want a chicken palm hero forthwith. You know, everything was forthwith. So I'm looking. And it was Some woman got lost on the cross Bronx asking for directions. But he wanted a complete investigation oh, about shit. why these guys were chatting with this woman. He goes, I thought they were engaging in unnecessary conversation. Oh, God. For those of you who don't know what that means, that means you're not really supposed to be talking uh, to civilians, let alone females, let yeah. alone attractive ones. Laying a rap while on you're them. in uniform by the and gas pumps. I think sadly <laughs> the chief, no females paid any attention to the chief. So I think what he was, was upset. The that, uh, what did you say it was no? What what kind of conversation <laughs> was unnecessary? Was unnecessary conversation. Unnecessary conversation. Which so you're actually, bullshitting. They didn't want you bullshitting. You can, you can actually write somebody a discipline, a command discipline. I, I, I met my wife at Lincoln Center when I was in uniform. Uh, no, uh, unnecessary was, conversation. Unnecessary, unnecessary conversation. conversation. Got, got me married. You got a lot of people married. <laughs> unnecessary conversation. <laughs> it's the blue magnet, man. It, it, it forces a lot of unnecessary conversations. That's right, that man. blue magnet. That's right. So, uh, how quick did you rise up the ranks there? Once you once you became a sergeant, then I obviously was, there's a lieutenant, there's captain. Yeah, I was a sergeant for probably four or five years. Again, I. I how I, much I, college I was, did you have? I had I got college. Uh, so you got like a that BA. ailment I told you about. <laughs> no, uh, you got ba you got a you got I a bachelor's. A, I came out of bachelor's. I went to Fordham. I came oh, that's a good school. Oh, good school. Man, you could have made something with yourself. I snuck in somehow. I got in. You could have made something with yourself. And later in life, and while well, I was on the job, I got a master's from Marist. In oh, that's public great. Administration. Yeah, so. Oh, that was one of those NYPD masters. You went to the police academy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the diploma that. doesn't say NYPD <laughs> no, master. No, no, no. Don't know? listen. Listen. It <laughs> this is the NYPD <laughs> masters. This one doesn't count. And it was a lot cheaper than the real masters. So anyway, <laughs> go to the academy yeah. every third Saturday. Every, no, every Monday night All right. for two and a half years. What every a, Monday what night. What a deal that was. Missed man. all those football games right. thanks to that. What but, a uh, deal that was. But, so uh, you're rising up through the ranks then? I had a blessed career. I really did. I had people looking out for me too. You caught the test on time. That means it didn't take that many. You got promoted and then it wasn't such a big gap. Yeah. I got promoted lieutenant in 1989 and like nine months later I got to take the captain's test, which wow. you can't do these days. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's impossible. You can't yeah. do so that So would co cops in the NYPD say his balls were dipped in butter? <laughs> Would they say that? No, that. he worked for it. He I worked. never heard no. that. But, uh, no, he went up the ranks. I know he did. I, I just had to use that expression. See if he knew I know, it. I know, but I'm just saying. It's, 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 he went up. He actually took the he test. Took you got to pass the test. a smart guy, man. You don't need to hook you. And once, you once you pass the test and you're getting promoted, then if you, your balls are dipped in butter, then you can go wherever you want. <laughs> I but you got to take the test first. I then he wound up in some nice spots, though. So maybe his balls were dipped in butter. I tell you, you know? what, I'm gonna. I have a whole new perspective were on butter now. Were your balls you dipped in butter or not? <laughs> so no. Um, wow, I'm getting off butter now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so when you become a lieutenant, where do you go? Uh, you know what? I was I was working for uh, Bill Taylor, who was an early friend and mentor to me. I just talked to him the other night. Uh, he asked me to be his ICO. So he Are you still friends now? Yeah. yeah everybody, <laughs> did you notice everybody? He was chief of Manhattan great. detective. No, he but was, you know what's yeah, great yeah. about you is that uh, this is how you can tell a really good person is if they still have relationships with the people in their past. And uh, you're not even aware of this, but everything you said, 
after every single person you mentioned, we're still friends to this day. Yeah. 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 And that's that is true. that's a beautiful thing. Not 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 many people say that. I'm blessed with good he's, friends he's for many, many years. He speaks a lot of Irish colloquialism. Whenever you talk to somebody too, you know? and they start with, yeah, I don't talk to him anymore. What's up with her? And I haven't heard from them in a while. And, <laughs> fuck uh, fuck them. <laughs> Stay away from that person. You're going to have a problem with them. <laughs> well, they say we used oh, to sorry. be friends, yeah. But, um, so, uh... <laughs> so you meet you, you you the guy Taylor. Bill Taylor, Bill Taylor. took care of me. Uh, he was the commanding officer of the applicant processing division. Oh, oh that's a ground ball right so there. He asked me to be his ICO, and I, which I kind of thought well, it was going to be a means to an end. Like I went there saying, "Okay, I want to get to the detective bureau or to narcotics. I'll, I'll do two years with you." He goes, two years we'll be out of there." We're in the one hundred and five. Well, that was one of the offices. There was a citywide unit, so they were spread out all over okay, the city. Okay, okay, because that's where I used to have to go. And uh, but that's the we were there four the, years later together. But that's the land of the contract too. I can't imagine how many times your phone was ringing. It rang a lot. Oh, yeah. my and, God. And yeah. a lot of the, times it was guys saying, hey, they're, they're messing with my kid. Now, I got the kid's folder in front of me. And I'm looking like, you know, arrest, arrest, arrest. That's a kid heroin, who's trying to get on the job. Heroin, yeah. cocaine. I'm and, like, then, and then there's, you know. there's somebody on the other end, fa family from that person that is that it's calling they're you. on the job. Yeah. And they're calling you saying they're messing with my they're kid. And you're my looking, kid. You're looking at the guy, folder like. He's like a, like a violent nightmare trying to come on the job. <laughs> and I'm going, and I can't tell, because the kid said a lot of this stuff in confidence. And he maybe he doesn't want to become a cop, but his father's making him become a cop. So I'd say, talk to your son. I don't got to talk to my son. I'm talking to you. I go, well, I'm talking to you. Talk to your son. Uh -huh. uh, they're going to have an interesting dinner time conversation that night. I said, but, but they're not messing with him. Trust me. What are you trying to tell me? My kid's a bad kid? No. I may say you're a bad father, perhaps, but no. Uh, but I didn't say that. I just said, talk to your kid. But I used to get a lot of those phone calls. Well, you, did you get to see all the psychological um, profiles where they, they asked you to draw the house? Remember that one? Oh, the house and the, uh, and the, and the, the tree. With, yeah, the tree. The stick figure. Put and a dog in the backyard, have smoke coming out of the chimney so it looks like a happy home. Again, right? my buddy Muldoon comes out. He goes, uh, he goes, is it bad that I made my stick figure a naked guy? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Muldoon's a character. Uh, so you're working in an applicant investigation, and uh, you're the ICO there. I was the ICO there. So you're looking at uh, of all the detectives and the cops. That was a, a way to get promoted, too, to, for was, detective, you know right? It was a good place to work, but, you know, I look back. I had some great commands, great jobs. Some of the best jobs I had was being an anti-crime cop in the 32nd yeah, Precinct. Best. I was the SNU, the Street Narcotic Enforcement Unit Sergeant, the 4 6. Yeah, because the applica applicant thing places. is like a temporary stop. Nobody wants to be there, really. Nobody wants to be there. What permanently. years were you there? In the I was there like 89 to 92, I guess. That's when I was coming through. Yeah, yeah you got you subbed yeah. some through the cracks, obviously. My guy, my, guy was, uh, my guy was, he was cool. He was cool, my applicant guy. He's just the only thing he had a wandering eye. So he'd be talking to me, and the other eye would be, I don't know, he'd be a great detective because he could always see what's going on. <laughs> But I was always trying to catch up. Like, what is he looking at over there? And he's talking to me. <laughs> Do you remember his name? <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember his name. All right, all right. Yeah. We'll talk. He was we'll a nice guy. Sure he's a good guy. He was a transit guy. I think you should get his folder. We'll bring it here next I've time. already looked at his folder. <laughs> it's actually, it's I looked at volume one. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a thin jacket. <laughs> I looked it's at volume one of his I was a good kid. And then, then also, you were in charge of, like, sending people out to, to, to knock on a neighbor's doors. Oh, yeah. And ask the, ask the questions about, you know, one of the applicants. How was this person as a neighbor? Did you ever see them doing stuff? That was scary. That was scary. I can't believe the people in my neighborhood vouched for me. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> they probably just wanted to get do me they, out of there. Do they still do that? They, do, they still do. Actually, it's funny. There's, there's retired guys now that actually do it. I know a guy that does it. You can do it, like, as a part of a waiver. As long as you don't make more than 30000 it doesn't affect your pension. I want to do that. So there's guys that go out <laughs> that do that. They, they, they give them a department car. They show up at a precinct, and they go out and they do field visits. And they Whoa. love it. Uh, they, I, I would know. do that. They I would do that it. now. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not looking to do it. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so then how long did you become a captain in nine months? Yeah, I, actually, I took the test in nine months, but then I finally went to back to narcotics. I was an undercover narcotics briefly and early in my career. Uh, how the hell did you buy drugs? Yeah, what were you doing? 1983, you could buy drugs in uniform, pretty much. So, uh, Oh, yeah, those I, were the, the good old days. A, my buddy gave me a Con Ed shirt. It's amazing how much drugs a Con Ed guy could buy. <laughs> so, uh, I bought a lot of drugs wearing a Con Ed shirt. Where did you buy them in the Heights? UPS, right? We bought, actually bought them in the Bronx, believe it or not, and in the Lower East Side. They were doing this pressure point stuff. Oh, Lower yeah, East I remember side. that, so yeah. In the, in the Lower East Side. Alphabet City was bad back then, It's funny, then, you right? go down there, I'd wear like a flannel shirt, I'd grew my hair a little bit long, and you get on a line, and there'd be like an abandoned storefront. And like the, the gate would be down, the gate would come up, and the guy would come in, and he would do everybody real quick, like sell drugs to everybody real quick. So I'm on the line, and I they didn't have radios or 
Kells back then. You had to go back to a car, get a radio. So I'm on line one time, and uh, there's a guy like kind of managing the line, and he's uh-huh. a ball buster. So he's got either a like a sort of baseball bat or half a pool cue, and he's poking all us junkies because I'm posing as a junkie. And I got you know fake tracks on my hands and stuff, <laughs> and uh, he's poking us and poking us hard. And I'm like, and so you want to go like he? And he wants to see who might be a cop because mm-hmm. he figures the cop's not going to take that. So he gives me a good couple of pokes. I'm like, okay, man, okay, I'm just doing the docile junkie thing. And uh, so I buy, I go back, and I tell the guys in the team. Now, the guys in the team were hard hitters. I said, listen, be careful. I'll give my descriptions. Be careful of the guy, you know, managing the line. Uh, uh, you know, he hit me with a stick a couple of times. Oh, he did, did he? Uh-huh. And then you'd have to go by again to make an idea of who they're grabbing and make sure they got the right guy. Uh-huh. And uh, I go by, <laughs> this guy is... Knocked unconscious. Oh, the guy was poking you with a stick? The guy was poking, and his stick is laying next to him. So it's kind of like, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing. So uh, That's so interesting, man. Yeah, so I got a little revenge, you know. You painted a nice picture kind of. there. That was a nice picture standing on the line. Well, would you would you sell drugs to this man? Well, like you said, it was uh, 1983. Yeah. I had a pretty good line, you, you could know. Buy, you could buy drugs in uniform back then. <laughs> they would ask you, who, you know, who sent you here? <laughs> Flacco. Flacco. That's a good name. There's always a Flacco involved somewhere. There's always right. a Flacco. There's always Flacco yeah. involved somewhere. Which Flacco? Uh, which Flacco? The skinny one. <laughs> There's a skinny Flacco. Skinny Flacco. Which Flacco? Skinny Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so now you become a captain. Well, I was a lieutenant in narcotics, then I, then I become a captain, and then... Then the party's over? One of the highlights of my career, I go to the 24th Precinct in Upper Manhattan. I used I'm to the, work in the 24th. I'm the second in command... Of the precinct, uh, uh, late the late Jack McDermott, rest his soul, was right. is the commanding officer, and who do I get to meet? Bill Cannon. Oh, Bill Cannon! <laughs> all that other right. stuff I talked about, the great stuff in my career, and all good <laughs> yeah. friends, pales by comparison. He was a shooting star, right? When I finally oh, meet Bill Cannon, was Bill was a shooting soldier. star, right? <laughs> Bill Cannon, yeah, he was. He was when he was awake. He, was, <laughs> he, he did a lot of good work there, but uh, he Jack was, a, yeah, he was, he was definitely a, sh- a, sh- a rising star in the police department. And highly the, regarded, highly regarded. Well, you should have seen when I went to the two. What year were you in the two four? I guess the first six months of ninety five. I guess I was there. All right, because uh, when I went to the two four, man, I was in warrants having the time of my life. It was the best time I ever had on the job. And then once Carrick left, um, they wanted to downsize it because he had built it up to like. So now they were down. They were down in the squad. So we had to go back fill the squads. And you never see more miserable people, man. I don't know why they did it. You had a bunch of people in narcotics that probably would have went to squads happily, but we were like, oh, man. When I got to the 2-4, man, there was nothing more depressing than than <laughs> having to be in the squad. And he just hated everything. about the, I hated everything about the job for five years. <laughs> it's not what I wor- I didn't bust my ass to go there. I, w- I busted it to go to Warrens. Right. And that's I was having a grand time, and now we're someplace that you didn't want to be. Being so. a squad detective is a lot of work. Yeah, especially in the 2-4, man. The 2-4 was kind of like, it was it was busier than, than I ever wanted it to be. <laughs> and, and the 2-4 has everything. Like you yeah. guys, I'm, you talked about in your first first uh, episode, the one side of the 2-4 precinct, 86th Street, you have millionaires, movie stars. The other side, you have Manhattan Valley, right. a lot of crime, a lot of drugs. Cop was killed there. You know, Chris Hoban was That's killed right. there. I mean, you had everything in the 2-4, everything in between. And that good pizzeria, too, that was at uh, Sal and Carmine's? Yeah. Is that what it's called, Sal and Carmine's? Uh, I think it was... Oh, V&T. Sal's maybe. Or, yeah. I think it's Sal and Carmine's. On 104 and Broadway. Yeah. Talk about? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah. place is still... Yeah, I don't know what if it's still there. But. I was way too busy to eat. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you were, right? So I, I would imagine as you're rising through the ranks, your jokes are getting even funnier, right? Yeah, guys thought a lot more, they, a lot more funny. They laugh again. at your jokes yeah. more oh, big the time. higher your rank is, that's for sure. Yeah, you can shop in that uniform. Yeah, yeah, sure I was. Did, were you a member of the Emerald Society? I was the Emerald Society delegate in the 3-2. And you're not like a pipe player or anything? No, 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 no. no, I'm not, shit, no. I'm, I can play the jukebox. I would tell you I went to one Emerald Society meeting when I first came mm-hmm. on, and it was right after, remember the 83 sergeant says they had all the quotas and stuff? Oh, yeah. Some, some cop says at the Emerald Society meeting, he goes, I think we should be granted minority status too. And the head <laughs> of the Emerald Society goes, why? He goes, because we have small dicks. <laughs> <laughs> That was the last oh, Emerald God. Society meeting I ever we went to. We have a check. To. We'll take a check, please. Isn't <laughs> that great? That's a good that was pretty that's funny. I always remember that to this day. I don't know. We can't even top that. I mean, <laughs> so did you have ambition to rise all the way to the top through the department? You know, I, I, I didn't. When I came on the job first, I didn't know. I had no family in the job. I had no idea how you advance in the job. So I'm, I'm looking. I see sergeants. Most of them had, like, gray hair. And I kind of go to some guy, like, where do they come from? And they said, uh. 
Oh, you take a test. Like, uh-huh. I thought they came on the job as sergeants. I didn't know. <laughs> I thought they grew them, like, in a hothouse or something. Yeah, like, these guys were sergeants, you know. So uh, I said, take a test. I said, I'm not a genius, but you have enough. Give me the stuff. I'll study it, and I'll, I'll pass it. I uh-huh. may not be at the top of the list, but I'll pass it. So I found that I could take a test. As long as they gave me enough time, I could take a test and probably come out, you know, maybe not at the top, but close enough to get promoted. And uh, I said, hey, you know, as long as they give me a shot at it, you know, I'm going to do okay. I wasn't arrogant about it, but I, you know, I studied. I went to the classes. I put my material together. How many years did you have on when you made captain? I made captain in uh, the end of 94. So I had like 14 years on. That's relatively fast. That's pretty good time. That's a good time. Usually it happens around the 20th. And I, and I got blessed. Like I said, I, I got promoted. Then I went back to narcotics. Actually, again, Bill Taylor asked me to come to narcotics. I went to back to Manhattan South Narcotics. Took as a over, captain. As a captain. Took over from the previous captain who was, he'll remain nameless, but uh, the worst boss I ever worked for in the police department. You must have been large. a good boy. I mean, I, you, like you, I was fair. You sounds know. to me like every, how could people not like you? Yeah. Oh, you get to know me. You know, it'll, it'll come. You know, Mark, I mean, we well, always say we're not... You're not for everyone. You're a nah, listen, you're everyone. You know, you know has this, that. this is a good not band everyone right could here. like you. Right? You could tell already. And uh, so you, you obviously, do you have anybody that you recall that you worked with? Not a boss, but that was working under you. That was a freaking big pain in the ass. That yeah, you, yeah. You couldn't of, get him to. Uh, I think of one guy. To fly straight. And again, I'm not. I'm not a tough guy when it comes to the discipline and stuff like that. But there was one guy that I bumped into when I was a precinct commander. Who was like just stunad? Didn't get it, uh, and he was the, he was the combination. He was like you know, he led in civilian complaints. He never made arrests. He didn't write tickets. He just broke everybody's chops. He was mean. He was rude. He was everything. The whole package. It was a boss fighter too. I and bet, right? every time I had to do something to him, I warned him ahead of time. If you don't straighten out, I'm doing this. Changes to a, you can't do that to me. Changes to, him. and if anything that he did, I told him ahead of time that it was coming. And he never straightened out. So to this day, I look upon this guy. He's the benchmark. He's the low point of whenever I think of a, like a really bad, dumb cop. And I love cops. This guy's name. What was his him. problem? Just a douche? He just had a bad attitude. He, I, he never should have come on this job. Yeah. He would, he would kind of pride himself. Like, like he doesn't like people. Like, oh, he prided himself in that. That's like a guy who wants a pizza shop saying he doesn't like mozzarella. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you can't be a cop and not like people. Yeah. It has to be. That was the one thing that got me through the job is that I like people. I didn't like really police work, but I like people. And, and, and if you're out there, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> you know who you are. Trust me, he has no ambition to even listen to anything to do with police work, so he's not going to be listening to off the cuff, trust when me. When you got promoted, did you ever want to get revenge against any boss that did you when you were a cop? No, I mean, I had mostly good bosses. I mean, the only guy, you know what they say, that the old saying about the best revenge is living well? Yeah, yeah that's The guy true. who yeah. I took over for Manhattan South as a captain, he was a fellow captain now, and uh, for some reason, he just... He, he had four lieutenants, and he tortured all of us. It wasn't just me. He tortured everybody. And, uh, and I was on the captain's list. So it wasn't like I was being a tough guy, but I'm going to be a captain in a year, pal. Right, right. So and I didn't tell him that. But he even at one point, I think he even tried to me, tried, wanted me to hit him. I'm not a violent guy. But he was kind of like, you know, like, you know hey, uh, you, know, you don't like this, and maybe someday you, know, you want to you 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 know, do something about it. And I said, no. I said, I'll do something about it down the road, maybe. He goes, are you threatening me? I said, no. You know, but someday we'll meet again, and perhaps we'll talk. You know, that's as close to a threat I got. But then it turns out I wound up getting his job. Uh, then a year and a half later, the DEA task force, the prestigious elite DEA task force comes up. I was kind of a dark horse. Put my name in. He wanted the job. I got it. Yeah. Uh, I get promoted to deputy yeah. director like a year later. He doesn't. Did you call him? And then it was, what was great about it was, no, he, he had an office in the same building as me. Oh, oh that's man. a nice And revenge. he actually came to the same coffee pot. Well, the me. Italians say what revenge a is a dish best served cold, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I won't give his name, but his first name was Rich Richard. He went by Richie. So when I saw him at the coffee coffee pot, he'd go, "You've done okay for yourself." And I say, "I had great role models, Dick." <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to lay hands on a guy, you know. Yeah, he, 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 just, got, he got the point. He got the point, and yeah. uh, he retired after that. And you know, but really, when I think Does about he it, he's the Florida? only bad boss I Does had. Does he live in Florida, like a block from your condo now, or what? He might have the, uh, <laughs> he might have the, you know, the the Velcro shoes on now. Yeah, why was belt. he busting the lieutenant's balls that worked under him? I always thought that the the bosses got along well, and it was no, just their job was to shit on the, you know, the, the, the cops. cops. He was an angry, and angry. The, I always guy. thought the bosses stuck together. And it's funny in his office, he had a picture of he must he was big in the Knights of Columbus. 
Uh, I think he should have been excommunicated, but uh, <laughs> he's got a picture of him with the Cardinal. He's mm-hmm. in uniform. I'm like, if the Cardinal only knew that this guy was such an evil what a guy. Dick you were. Like, they called him the Antichrist. That's how bad he was. Yeah, there's an extent that there's, peop- there's bosses on the job that go, they really go out of their way to really to be horrible people, destroy other people's lives in malicious ways. And you wondered, like, what? Why? Why are they doing this? Yeah, this yeah. it's such a miserable. Why? Why would you want to go to work and everybody hates you if you didn't have if that didn't have to be? You know, Sometimes it's like you're not it. a brown. You know, we used to call them brownies, but then meet the maids, whatever traffic enforcement now. But that's the type of job where people, you know, the people are cursing at you all day. And why would you want that if you didn't have to have that? Especially from the people that you work with, not only from the street, but also from. What goes, what goes around comes around all the time, I don't time, understand right? that. It always does. Yeah. Those expressions are that way for a reason. Who knows right? to understand these people. But um, so you're, you're, you're riding high as a captain, but you don't quit, right? You keep, you keep, no, you keep going. And everything after that, you know, is, as, as you guys know, but. You know, it's not a test after no, that. There's no test. It's, then a, it's just. It's uh, allegedly based on it, merit. It's applying the alcohol prep pad to the undercarriage of the rank uh, above you. <laughs> yeah. Right, <laughs> you never heard that one. It, in Yonk- you never heard that one in Yonkers no, either, right? Never heard that one in Yonkers either. But uh, you know, I, like I said, I was blessed because I had guys like like Bill Taylor, like Pat Harnett. Not, he has a different spelling of his last name, but uh, he was very good to me. They all thought he was my uncle. I said, guys, he spells his name different, right, but right. it didn't matter. He was my uncle. I even call him Uncle Pat to this day. Uh, John Timoney, rest his soul, was good to me. Your the the prior guest you guys had, Louis Anamone, yeah. guys like that, that that held you to a standard. You know, he Lou Anamone held, held you to a standard, and uh, he wasn't going to back off that. Animo is definitely one of my heroes on the NYPD. I, I just think he was. Uh, I a think great the world leader, of him. You know, I think leader. like Jack Maple. You know, Jack Maple was was the uh, the the engineer, the architect, Comstat, in many, yeah. and gets and gets the well deserved credit for it. But I I think Lou Anamone doesn't get enough credit because no. to me it was Lou, it was Jack Maple and Lou Anamone that that brought the Comstat not just the the meeting but the process, the mentality, right. the culture. Because changing the culture of the NYPD back then was tough. There was old-time chiefs back then that were basically looking at their watch saying, this guy Bratton is gone in a year or two. Right. We'll just go back to the old ways of doing things. I mean, I remember a time when, when a precinct commander would maybe know how many murders he had, right. and that was it. All he, all he knew about was murders, and that was it. He didn't know anything about the other crime, wasn't engaged with the community at all. The squad commander upstairs, a lot of times they didn't know each other's names. I remember in early comps that Lou Anamone, Chief Anamone, asked, asked a, a, a precinct captain, uh, all right, you, you deal with the guy upstairs, the precinct commi- the precinct uh, squad commander? Yes, I do. And there's like, blah, 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 what's his name? And he kind of mm. stumbled a little bit. Like, they didn't really talk to each right, other much right, back right, then. Right. Mm-hmm. Now those guys are connected at the hip, and they've been connected at the hip for the last 25 years, and they know their mutual survival depends on putting stuff in place to get crime down. Sure. And yeah, the system important. can be brutal. The system was brutal that's in the important. beginning, but well, it works. You know, the, now that you mentioned the crime coming down, it seems like, uh, and you know, cops are always one to be a uh, pessimist, and they're always talking about... You know how bad things are gonna be, and you know, just you know as well as I do. Some cops are such pessimists, and then they get in a whole group of it. And there's been all this talk with the Blasio as mayor, but the numbers haven't really re- reflected it. Uh, between having him, uh, everybody saying how crime is gonna spike, but now they're coming up with these all these reforms where they're gonna stop the bail um, and they're gonna let people out of jail for uh, for everything. Basically, they want for some reason they want them out in the streets again. Now, I have a friend, she's a comic. She's got in touch with me last night because uh, she was robbed recently at gunpoint on the West Side Highway, right in the Midtown. I have another friend who's a comic. He got uh, jumped, and uh, another uh, female comic got punched in the face. All robbery attempts, and all of them um, in that, that Midtown Manhattan area. And they're... Uh, two out of the three are from these bike gangs. I'm not talking about motorcycle gangs. I'm talking about kids on bicycles surrounding you, following you, and then, you know, robbing you. And uh, these are things that are, like, popping up amongst all your friends. This just happened to be the community that I'm in. No matter what community you're in, I'm sure you're going to know or you know a couple people have gotten robbed lately. So now this is all starting to spike up. This is And this is even before the reform. It's all starting to come to the surface now, you know? You so, know, Mark, it, th- that's interesting because if you went to Comstat, Anamone harped on bicycle summonses. Remember that? Yeah. And th- th- that was the reason, because of robberies. These kids on bikes are robbing people. Give them a summons for riding on the sidewalk. Give them mm-hmm. a summons for blowing a red light. You're supposed to obey the VTL laws even when you're on a bicycle. 
Uh, the one girl who called me last night, she said that the response was amazing, though. So I, I would imagine that they're really trying to catch these kids. A couple of them got caught. Um, it's part of the, obviously, uh, obviously a pattern, but she mentioned that there was a helicopter involved. Wow. You know, this is they a, did the, probably a level one mobilization. Well, yeah. because it's a yeah. robbery now with a gun in Midtown, so I'm sure they're really trying to grab a whole, you know, grab this uh, the bull by the reins before it gets out of control. But you know, they got they they put her in the car, they drove around with a, a canvas. Then the, the, these stupid kids were using a credit card, so they were getting literally like minute by minute where the credit cards were being right. used, and then they would go there for video footage. They collected a ton of video footage. So they're going to be able to make these kids. And she wanted to know, which I didn't even, I started thinking to myself, juveniles don't have to sit. Then they don't, You don't put them in a the lineup, do you? Yeah. yeah they, they do, do go in yeah, the lineup? They're really hard to do juvenile But there's no grand too. jury. There's no grand jury for uh, juveniles, no, well, is there? if it goes to criminal court, there is. But it, usually it winds up in family court. All right. You know? So yeah, I don't think it's going to go to criminal yeah. court because yeah. it's just a robbery. Yeah. And the quality of life stuff, if I mean, the quality of life stuff back then that, that we targeted led to great results. Like like one of the elected officials, I don't even say her name, uh, was talking about recently about people that are, are evading the fare on the subway because these are poor people who don't have any money. Ugh. If you ever talk to old transit cops, they laugh at that because they all say most, almost everybody they grab for fare beat had like $100 in their pocket. So it's not like this. <laughs> they're, they're, they're people just jumping the toe right. and say, jump it. The right. bike summon stuff. We always make great collars by... But you get a guy riding a bicycle on the sidewalk. Now you talk to him for a while, now he's nervous. All of a sudden you find out he's got a weapon, he's got a bunch of drugs on him. Right. I mean, that stuff could always be used as a means to an end. Legally, not yes. you know, certainly within the parameters Search of the Constitution. Search incidental to lawful arrest, yeah. which they've lost in the subway for a, a uh, fair beater because it's a civil matter. Now, yeah. Right? Yeah, so you could see mission creep coming back in some cases. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I had it on, my phone just went off, and I have it on airplane mode. Uh-oh. Or We're going to have to just shut it. Maybe, completely maybe I shut, shut it down. It we have to start over you know from the beginning what, You now. know what I wonder, too? I, and I, obviously, we all have been off the job for a little bit. How good are the anti-crimes right now? Are they, do they have good anti-crimes out there that are engaging people? The I anti-crime don't know. teams? Yes. How good are I, they? I'd like to think that anti, anti-crime, for, you know, for listeners out there, the uninitiated, are, are active precinct cops that wind up getting out of uniform. They put them in plain clothes. They let them blend in the neighborhood to make uh, quality felony arrests. Uh, I think they are, but I think the 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 metrics to get into anti-crime are different. I mean, it used to be you made a lot of arrests, made good arrests. Yeah. The precinct CEO said, I got to put you in anti-crime. Uh, now, I don't think they make that many arrests. Right, so right. I guess they, they probably give a lot of maybe quality life tickets or whatever. But I'm, st- I'm sure I'd like to think that the anti-crime cops out there are still the best of the best in that precinct. You hope. You hope that. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned that pessimism. And you know what happens is that pessimism all of, all of a sudden – at some point, unfortunately, becomes a reality, which is probably going to be faced with, which is going to be a major incident. We talked about, we've talked about this on the show a couple of times. Um, the boy from Utah. Brian Watkins. Brian Watkins, yeah. right? A kid and killed in the, in the subway on the stairs trying to protect his mother. And that turned everything around. That seems to be the one thing we could all agree upon was that incident was enough is enough. We're not even close to the surface of enough yet. Right. Because... You know, this, these robberies are just starting to become common knowledge. You know, people are starting to talk. They're starting to talk amongst each other, and they're starting to re- they're going to be like, oh, that happened to me too, and that happened to me too. Right. And unfortunately, we're living in a time right now where everybody, you know, there's we're in a city where there's a lot of, you know, obviously there's always been liberals here, but a lot of left-leaning, and they believe in this, and they're woke, and they don't and But you know what? Something happens when somebody smashes you right in the face, like Mike Tyson used to say. Yep. You know, everybody's got a plan until you got punched in your face. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's so, right. um, you know, Mark, I say one thing is that uh, it's not what the the hierarchy of the NYPD always talks about is that oh, the numbers are down, but it's something called disorder. Disorder mm-hmm. is up. And disorder leads to crime. Yeah. And that's what they're not talking about. Yeah, Brad- Bratton, when he first came in the first time, talked about. Uh, Fear, crime, and disorder. And it's hard to measure disorder, but you know when you see it. Right. Yeah. Well, um, the reason why we have you here, and we're going to talk about it in the second half, is because since crime is on the verge of going up, and you uh, you retired and you went on to be uh, commissioner in Yonkers, we're going to talk about that too. 
we've been thinking about suiting you up, putting the cape on, and putting you back, letting you run around the street <laughs> and uh, fixing everything up for us if you could. We'd really appreciate that. If you can get me out of this dungeon. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll do we we want to hear about the culture at the Yonkers PD, too, as compared to oh, the yeah, 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 we're going to get we got a lot of We got half. a lot of shit to hit you with in That's the second half, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're I'm ready. Good, I'm excited. Tell you something, you're a good guest, though, man. Yeah, this is great. You got the Irish blondie, man. You could just keep talking Thank forever. You. I think the next segment, we should just... The next show that we do, <laughs> the next comedy show that we have, the police off the cuff, where we get together, we haven't have a date. We're gonna give him yet, five minutes. Oh, you're gonna get more than I'll, five I'll minutes. I'll warm up the crowd. <laughs> no, you're gonna get your ten and, minutes. And Rashad, he he wants to be a comic. You're too, gonna get you ten know? to twelve I, minutes, I, I just like every other book. comic on the He's show. He's learning how to write jokes. <laughs> All right, so this was a great first hour with our guest Ed Harnett, um, and we're gonna be back. We're gonna be back for the second half. We're gonna hear about the Yonker, your experience in Yonkers. Thank you, guys. All right, cool.